I pray that we would sing with our lives, as the song said. And I pray that we would know even when we, when we die, we lose ourselves in you. And so that this whole journey on earth uh, can be a song, whether we are blessed with the gift of singing or not, but we can sing with our lives because you seal us, you complete us. So many people do not know this, and I pray they do, not by me, not by anyone, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, and that we would sing with our lives. Lord, help us to sing as so many people are hurting uh, across the south now, from the southwest, Houston and Texas, now into Florida. I just pray that we would see more opportunities to sing in mission, to love the other person, to love our neighbor, uh, to bless a brother and sister and, and bless those who do not know you where people would say, what is it about them uh, that they continue helping and continue serving and continue loving? May that be said about this church and your church. Thank you for all that you give us. May we know how much you give us. Most of all, you give us Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Thank you all. Have a seat. Thank you for being here. Again, thankful to our worship team for leading us. If you have a Bible Please turn to Romans chapter 12. If you do not have a Bible, I'd love for you to pick up a Bible. If you so want, you don't have to. Romans 12. We are also going to be today in Philippians 2, but that's going to be kind of towards the end of the message, primarily being Romans 12. Uh, we are in what I actually believe is a highly important series that we'll be going through for a while, and it's called Simply Renew. Renew. It is a word that I love. It is a word that is used over and over again in the Bible from Old Testament uh, to New. Uh, and the Bible actually ends with Jesus saying, I'm making all things new. So whether you're a person or a church or a world, uh, I believe in a big God that is always making all things new. Now, that's easy to say, but how is one renewed? Well, a biblical answer would be, and we believe the Bible, but I don't like to just throw Christian cliches all the time, but you're primarily renewed by the Holy Spirit. So something outside of us impacts us and drives us to be renewed, something that is very much supernatural, something that is very much our creator and not a created thing, because the Holy Spirit was there in Genesis 1 in creation. So renewed is the Holy Spirit. I believe God's Word renews us. I believe prayer renews us. So all those things, and many of you know that, but I really want to get past the, the Christian cliches and try to make it real. So to, like, to be renewed, you see differently. You, you think differently. I believe to be renewed, you have to have time with God. You have to have some rest and uh, most of you know uh, my family and I had a, a wonderful time of renewal on a sabbatical. And so not everybody can take a sabbatical. I, I get that. I, I wish everybody could or maybe everybody should. But it was a gift in, in coming back. And so now I've been back nearly a month and just seeing differently, frankly, seeing this church differently, seeing people differently. I mean, it doesn't impact the way I feel about you. I mean, I love many of you. I said many, okay? God helps me love all... No, I'm 
Seriously, just being real. I mean, God helps us love all people. But you see differently. I mean, you see, I've said this in the, in the community, and this doesn't just mean bellwether. You come back and you're very fresh. I mean, you see who people who, who really care about you. You see people who need things from you. I mean, it's just very, very evident. Uh, you think differently about God when you, you take time and just grow uh, with the Lord. Uh, but a lot of things are still the same, okay? One pastor mentor up in North Carolina said, you know, you have changed, your job has not, which is, brings you back to reality. He also says, though, your people have changed, so take time to listen to them. And to be totally serious, that was just a joke. I love everybody. You know, y'all know that, right? I love everybody. But to be renewed, it, it is sometimes you have, to, you have to really see that some of the things that we are yearning for are really just idols. And idols can be good things that become ultimate things. And to be renewed, you, you allow God to push away those idols and really just say, you know, look, if you had nothing but you just had me, you still have everything. So for me at least, you know, if take away all your idols, and I've got some idols. If I took away all that and you just had me, are you, are you good? And at least today and over the last month I've been good, and I've tried to set up guardrails, focus time with the Lord to continue being renewed, okay? Now today, so this series will be on going through the fall, and we'll be in Romans 12. But today is actually an important sermon. Because this sermon is about uh, this word, uh, this mentality, this posture called humility. Anybody need a dose of that? A few? You know, I love in the Bible, I believe it was Deuteronomy, Moses said, Moses was the most humble man on earth. Well, Moses wrote Deuteronomy, you know, so he wrote that. (laughs) Sound familiar? How we can say we're so humble? I need humility. We need humility. Uh, A lack of humility comes out of pride. Pride was the original sin. Pride says, you know, I deserve this. Adam and Eve said, I deserve to be on uh, the throne. I deserve to be like God. Satan tempts us saying... You know, if you were really there, it would be much, much better. Humility. And, you know, it goes contrary to a lot of things I love. I mean, it goes kind of contrary to the American can-do spirit, you know. Get after them. You know, you're the best. Be the best. It goes contrary to competition and sports, uh, which I love. You know, I recently saw, uh, well, youth baseball, which we're all bought in, right? (laughs) For better or worse, you know. Recently saw this kid, and some of y'all know youth baseball. Y'all see this all the time. But whether first or third, you know, I mean, in my opinion, total lack of humility, but just hot dogging it. You know what I'm saying? You know, the hot dogs, and they're, you know, you know, you know, clapping like this. And I mean, I don't do it that well, but you know what I'm saying. And trying to get the, the uh, pitcher's attention. And he's just over there and over there. Well, I've never seen this before. Some of you playing ball may have so the pitcher it's a pretty cool cat and I'm sure it, it rattled him somewhat he didn't show it what he did was like he it was third base he just stepped off and he walked over to third base with the ball in his glove and got up to him and, you know and put him the guy was on the base at this point and I couldn't read his lips but he said something like, you, know, you know you could he was talking to him and then walked back well the kid didn't do it again okay on third base 
Now, this is a pretty cool cat, pretty cool move. And I thought it was a fairly humble way to, uh, you know, didn't cause a scene. But anyway, I appreciated that. But, you know, you get hot dogs in sports. I mean, we see it not just baseball, football. And it is, uh, man, sometimes, I mean, we're almost taught coach to, you know, you're, I've heard major leaguers say, man, you're trained like you're going you're gonna to crush that dude. I mean, you're. So the Christian spirit of humility often, and I've got to be fair to say this, it goes contrary to a lot of how we're programmed, you know, in our, in our world. And yet, still in Scripture, we can't deny it. We can't get away from it. So, anyway, I hoped in this message where we can have a good balance with some confidence and humility, but, but we shall see. So, in your Bibles, Romans 12. Now, I did say... In all humility, this is not trying to make anybody, I mean, if you know me, uh, I'm, I'm a big, big downer on like Christianese language or holy roller or all that. I did, though, I was challenged by a mentor to memorize bulks of scripture, and I memorized Romans 12. I have to say, it is, it is changing my life, memorizing bulks of scripture. Uh, so much so, it is, a, it is now a goal that will probably take a couple years, but I'm going to memorize Romans 12 through 15. It is, it is just changing my life. Just knowing the scripture, thinking about a verse a week, I just highly recommend it. And I highly recommend chunks. So not like a verse, uh, you know, I mean, I always Philippians 4.13, Romans 8.28, but a chapter. So what I have challenged you all to do is, you know, each verse we go over on a Sunday, take that verse for the week, meditate on it, memorize it. None of you may be following me. I bet one is, though. I think it is very impactful. So today is Romans 12, 3. But what I'd like to do, start with Romans 12, 1, and we'll go to verse 3, and we'll read verse 3 again. Okay? Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Let's read verse 3 one more time. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Humility. Paul, very clear, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Okay? Let's break this verse down. He starts, he begins by saying, for by the grace given to me. Uh, I love that the starting point for Paul always goes back to his salvation grace, how he was saved. For by the grace given to me. He doesn't start, his, his starting point is not like, look what I have done. 
it's not even my great faith and belief. It begins with what God has done for him. Grace, we talked about it last week, is a gift. He does the same thing if you called it, I don't know if you did, verse 1. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God. So because of the mercies, what's mercy? Mercy is a gift. Mercy is that grace. Uh, The starting point is always what God does. What's John 3, 16? For God so, come on, come on, love the world. I mean, starting point, for God so loved the world. That in and of itself should humble us to a degree that the starting point is never us. You know, we don't give grace to ourselves, we give grace to others, but the only way I believe we can give grace to others is because of the grace given to us. For by the grace given to me, Paul says. So I got I to gotta say this. Often in church, I think Christians come and they, they don't know what we saw in verse 1, the mercies of God. They don't know the grace given to me. You may be like, how do you know they don't know? Well, I mean, I, I do see it, I perceive it. Some people have told me this. Because often we operate on, well, i got to do this, you know, and i got to do that. It's very duty-bound. Uh, it's called religion, okay? That's a big difference from Christianity. Christianity is, is a gift, and it's, it's to be received. And I, listen, I would say this, too. I mean, if you've never known the grace given to you, if you've never felt that, I mean, you may not be feeling it today. I mean, it's not okay. We want you to feel it. But if you've never, ever felt that, I would seriously question whether you're a Christian or not. Okay? Now, I don't, I've always said I don't know a person's heart, and I, don't, I can't see that. Only God can. But it is my I've, responsibility as a pastor. If you've never, ever felt, like, if you've never felt, man, God is so good to me. Man, it's, it's a gift. Man, it's, he loves, I mean, if you've never felt anything like that, I would seriously question whether you're really a Christian or not. If you've only operated out of duty, if you're like, you know, thinking back, I've never, never really known God is good, never always thought I had to do this. And maybe you felt like you had to walk down the altar. Maybe you felt like you had to you know, say something or do something. But it begins and never ends with grace. It begins and never ends with mercies. And so that should, it should humble us. We, don't, we can't save ourselves. For by the grace given to me. I, I really press that on y'all um, because of this culture that we live in, uh, which is a lot of religion. Okay? So Paul is, is starting right here, and he goes, Paul, if, if you know Paul, and some of you biblical scholars out there do, Paul can go hard like really quick, okay? And go hardcore really quick, and he's about to. So he always starts soft and then goes hard. For by the grace given to me, I tell. I tell, I tell everyone among you, if you, and this is what you get when you are meditating, memorizing and all that, but if you go back to verse 1, he says the mercies of God, but he says, I urge you, I urge, tell is different than urge, right? Urge is like, man, I mean, it'd be really good, Uh, you should do this, hey, brothers and sisters, because of God's mercy, I really urge you. 
Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, hey, go sing in mission, even if you can't sing. You know, go live. I mean, you can worship with your life day to day on the athletic fields, in the classroom, in your job. I urge you to live that way. But here it's different. Here's, hey, I tell you, I tell you not to do something. And he said, I tell everyone among you. And by the way, he's writing to a church, okay? So he said, for the, by the grace given to me, he's like, man, please listen. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, do not do this. Tell very different from urge. So it's important. I tell, and he doesn't just say, I tell that group, who thinks they're hot stuff. I'm glad I said stuff. I nearly caught myself. I mean, I really did there. Okay, It's kind of a little bit too stream of consciousness. Who thinks they're hot. He didn't say that. Uh, he didn't say, tell the pastor, which sometimes pastors need to be told. He didn't, he didn't say, tell the elders. Uh, he didn't say, you know, tell that, that group that are, you know, you're trying to get in, but they're, they're, I mean, obviously they're lost, but they're coming to church. He said, tell everyone among you. It's my translation, right? Everyone among you. So that would include the pastor of the church of Rome. That would include the elders of the church in Rome. Uh, that would include probably then the uh, informal unpaid staff at the church at Rome. That would include deacons at the church in Rome. Uh, That would include maybe somebody who had just witnessed to, I don't know, a Roman guard, or, you know, if you like gladiator and stuff like that, and I do, you know, or, you know, somebody important, and they'd convert him. That would include that Christian, everyone among you. And so I say the same for everyone among us. Okay? Why? Because Paul knows, unfortunately I know, and you know, uh, this stuff he's about to go through, it's, it's poison. It's poison to relationships. Uh, it's poison to churches. It's poison to small groups. It's poison to organizations. You're like, what's the poison? Thinking of yourself more highly than you should think. Very simple. Thinking of yourself more highly than you should think. Anybody guilty of that? Thank you, Neil. (laughs) I hate saying Neil, but he's just always so, you know, star student-ish, you know. I mean, I'm just expecting Apple, you know, right there. It's okay. But seriously, it is, uh, or Moody, yeah, you'd give one too, Moody. Yours might have something in it, but... uh, (laughs) It, this stuff is the thinking more highly of yourself. It is poison, and it, it happens. It happens all the time. So he says, "I tell everyone among you, do not think of yourself more highly than you should." Uh, a great TV show. I won't name it. Uh, great characters. Two characters. It's very power play. But one of the characters said the other ones. You know, you you thought about having this position of power. You don't want to admit it, but you thought it. 
And even though you thought it, you just don't like it at all, but you did. I think that's so true. Sometimes we live, sometimes our life is consumed by like, well, if I were there, then that uh, group or organization or place would be better. If, if that was me, that team would be better. If I had that spot in the batting order, man, I'd always come through. If I had that position, our team would be much better. If I had that place, we would be much better. Man, maybe I'm off on y'all and maybe it just, I'm just revealing a lot about me, but that's how I think. I mean, I was that kid clapping on first and third, okay? I, I know. And now I get so annoyed at the other dads who, are, you know, are whispering in the coach's ear and I'm no longer a coach. I've retired, thank God. Praise God. But and I'm like, man, sit down, dude. You know, like, well, I mean, I get it. Our life is consumed. Well, if that was me, we'd be a lot better. Poison. Poison. Two stories real quick uh, about two pastors, okay? And I was thinking about humility here, and, and we will get to Jesus, just if, you, just if you're wondering. But two pastors, and so one guy... Back to baseball again. Forgive me. It's football season, but you know my, my loves. But uh, So one guy's a pastor at Fort Worth. I don't think he'd, he'd mind. I'm not, well, I will use his dad's name is a guy named Jim Essien, okay? And it's in a pastor's group I'm part of. So his dad managed the Chicago Cubs for uh, close to, uh, a, I guess, a decade. And he managed them during those, uh, they, were, they were, of course, the Cubs until recently, Losing seasons, but it was the heyday of the Hawk, Andre Dawson, Ryan Sandberg. And so I met him, and I was like, man, uh, we're in this pastor's group, and actually it was a larger group of pastors, like 20 of us. And, you know, he kind of stood up, and you know, I, I think he was trying to play the humble car, but, you know, he was like, you know, well, I, my dad managed for the Cubs, and he played 10 years in the minor leagues, AAA, never made it to the bigs. He's like, that's something I still have issues with, I deal with, you know, never made it. You know, never made one game. Never got a September call-up. Those of y'all who know baseball, when roster expands 25 to 40. Uh, never got that bonus of just a September call-up, you know. But uh, he grew up, and his dad managed the Cubs, so he was in the Cubs dugout, and, like, he showed us a video of one time Andre the Hawk Dawson, you know, threw bats and everything. It was, uh, if you're a Cub fan or baseball fan, you might know that it's a, it was actually a classic game, and there goes little Jimmy Essien running, you know, in the, in the dugout. His dad was manager. So now he's a pastor in Fort Worth and, you know, good church and um, honestly, you know, kind of keyed in on the baseball background. I mean, everybody, everybody even AAA, you know, you're going you're gonna to draw folks because of that, and he says that. Well, so we met, we had our pastors gathering, we went to dinner that night, and I'm very intentional about, like, who I want to sit with at dinners like this. I'm like, okay, this guy's interesting you know, in my mind, I'm like, kind of, you know, play that, you know, that guy, not that interesting, I could care less. Anyway, I mean, really, you know, you're like, what, what can this, can this guy get me something he can't? I mean, we all do it. It's poison, too. It's like, I'm in, baseball, he's Acts 29 guy, we're moving into Acts 29, I'm sit by him. Dude was a jerk, Okay. 
dude across from him, they, I tried to engage him in conversation. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe he felt the same. He like, you can't do anything for me. That's probably what he did. But he was just, I was like, man, who are you? I mean, you didn't even make the big leagues, okay? I mean, in my mind, I was saying that. I mean, you're not all that, okay? I mean, you're riding your dad's glory days, and the Cubs weren't even that good then, and you didn't make the big leagues. I mean, he, was, he was blew me off, and he was talking to this guy, and I engaged him, and he was just, and I told Linda, I was like, man, this is jerk. Okay? Well, then they broke us up. Well, of course, you know it. We're like in the same small group, okay, of six, six people, and so we're getting to know each other real well. So last time we met, and I shared some of this exercise last week, and it was Labor Day, but he had his own exercise you know, and it was this, you know, leadership coaching stuff. But anyway, he, he broke down about some insecurities. We all broke down. But he broke down about some insecurities that he had. And I've gotten to know him. He's got a big heart. He and his wife had a miscarriage this summer. We know about that. We've talked, you know. We've, you know, we're brothers now. <laughs> but... There's a moment in this exercise that all six of us or the other five, you come up to the other guy and you have to say something like real. And if you don't have anything real to say, don't say anything. But so it happened to me and, you know, people said stuff and I won't share that. But anyway, so when it was his turn and he did his exercise and, and I got up and I pretty much said the same thing I just said to y'all. I was like, bro, you know, man, I was, I was so impressed with you. I'm very intentional about who I sit with at dinner. I wanted to sit by you and man, you're just a jerk, <laughs> dude. <laughs> You know, like, you're just cocky without a reason. I mean, I know he's got some reason to be cocky, but it's like, man, just, there's so much in you. You know, you don't have to, like, put that guard up. You don't have to, and he's like, yeah, I know. He's a big dude, too. And it was just an awesome moment, and I think, you know, so much of our lack of humility are really shells that we just build, you know. So the second story, quickly, is uh, the opposite of him, and he would say he's growing, but a pastor that I've gotten to know, and those who've gone to India who are here with us uh, or in Calcutta would know of him. He is this little, where Jim is like this big, you know, and and this guy is like this big, this other pastor, uh, outside Calcutta. And for years, he has trained and taught uh, kids, men from the sticks who feel a calling to be pastors, and there are no seminaries or really anything over there. So this ministry that we're part of, and y'all can meet the guy, not this pastor, but the guy overseeing the ministry in November. Well, this dude is a former pastor, and now he feels called to train pastors. So he's teaching at this school outside Calcutta. Small dude, just the sweetest, like really, I mean, we're all sinners, but very humble, um, just always like filled with joy. I've got several pictures on it. Wish I'd have thought about putting them up on screen, but uh, if you're interested in it, you can talk to me. But just this, man, I mean, he, he speaks English well. He's always joyful. I mean, he's in the sticks, third world country, training pastors. It's not his glory. Nobody knows him. I don't even know his name. I just know him. He's like, you know, really kind, humble, joyful short guy who trains pastors outside of Calcutta, and I know him, and just radiates it. 
Do not think of yourself more highly than you should think. Now, the good part, real quick, says, instead, think sensibly. Paul says, instead, think sensibly. I love it. Instead, think sensibly. So, so what is sensible thinking? Sensible thinking. What is this thinking sensibly? Well, one, he lays it out. He says, God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. I love it. Instead, think sensibly. God has distributed. I love that. It's like, you know, God's sprinkling. You know, he's distributing measures of faith to each one. So each Christian has a measure of faith. And some Christians have a measure of faith that's larger than others. You know, faith is actually a gift too. I mean, in the dark times, in the valleys of the shadow of death, some people have immense faith. And those people who have immense faith, I think, are called to shepherd and steer maybe those whose faith is not as large. But all Christians have this gift, this measure of faith. So what is thinking sensibly? Well, one is that, hey, every Christian has a measure of faith. So everybody is, is believing to some capacity. And it also ties in with what we've always said here from day one, raising leaders. I've said anyone can be a leader for Christ. Why is that? Well, God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. You know, did he say the elders here? No. Did he say deacons here? No. Did he say just the pastor here? No, he said each one in the body, in the church, is a measure of faith. What else is thinking sensibly? Well, you know, we like to create our own words, and we're not, we're not God and we're not the Scripture, but, you know, a phrase that we use, see, love, go, represents three values that we have as a church. Now, before you check out or anything, this is really, it's how you experience Bellwether, whether you know it or not. For example, what's thinking sensibly? It's like seeing a big God. Like God's always working. You know, tough times, great times, man, God's at work. You know, what's God doing in this church? Well, God's doing something. He's at work, you know. Do you believe God's doing something or do you believe he's just doing nothing? He's not just doing nothing. He's always doing something in lives. Anybody can be renewed. I mean, you read the Bible, see a big God. Do we say see big men and women? No. We don't. We say anybody can be a leader for Christ. But I believe anybody can be a leader for Christ if you're seeing a big God. And he's always working. You know? I may die tomorrow. See a big God. You know? You know? My watch is over here. I will go home. You know? I would miss my loved ones, but I see a big God. God is not up there like, oops, man, I did not see that coming. Um, I need to... Move him there and organize these chess pieces. Well, let's even go even deeper. Whoa. Irma? I mean, what the? I didn't do it. Okay, I got to fix this now. No, I don't. It's not my theology or my set of beliefs. God's not trying to make the best out of chaos that he can. God's always at work. God's always in control. God is sovereign. It's not an opinion. It's the Bible. Okay? Use an example. You know, talk about a testimony to a sovereign God. Read Corey Ten Boone's book, The Hiding Place. By the way, she survived the Holocaust concentration camps. It's like, it's God's plan. Dad died. Sister died. I survived. I see a big God. We talk about loving the other person. It ties into God has distributed gifts. I like the other person because it's the one who is different. The one who doesn't fit. Probably the one who's not 
cool. I mean, I felt like that. We've all felt like that. We build a shell to say we, we're not like that, but we can be. Everybody has gifts. Everybody has a measure of faith. Thinking sensibly is loving the other person. Thinking sensibly is then going to the world. Whether it's Starbucks or if you like much better coffee than Starbucks, forgive me, Amy, we're, not everybody tracks with us, but, you know, the, the local flavors uh, going there or, you know, whether it's, and God calls everywhere. I mean, I, I have a heart for world evangelism. Not everybody does, and that's, that's totally cool. It's totally cool. Some may have a heart for, you know, I mean, my parents have a heart for Myrtle, Mississippi. You know, I really don't. You know, if you've been there, I like to hunt there, but that's about it. Uh, God gives all these different calls, but he, but he says the same thing to everybody, and that's go. Go. And I believe it's go in your jobs. I believe it's go in your leisure. I believe it's going in the baseball fields. I believe everyday evangelism. I do think the church is the hub. I think the church is plan A. There's no plan B. It's why we gather, why you need to come to worship. Uh, it's not just about getting fed, but it is about getting fed. And you go. It's thinking sensibly. Last thing, let's close with Jesus. What is thinking sensibly? Why should we be humble? If we call ourselves by his name, then we model ourselves by his life. And I'm not just talking about looking sandily and the long hair. And I mean, that's a good stained glass window, but I'm talking about the full life of Christ, what he did. And what he did, he descended, you know, King of kings, Lord of lords, I will come to earth, I will be with them to save them. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, one of my favorite passages I think it's one of the greatest depictions of the full life of Christ anywhere in the Bible. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. It should be up on the screen, but I'm going to read it. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Adopt the same attitude. What is that? Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited or used. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself. Let's say that again. He, hum- everybody, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Look at this. This will happen. Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth. Look at this. And under the earth. I like that whistle. (laughs) And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, when he returns again, and I believe he will return, and he could return today, tomorrow, 200 years, it may be 2,000 years if you look at the scope of history. But skies will part. Okay, I believe literally the Bible, we've talked about this as we've gone through Revelation. He will descend on a white horse again, and he will be like, he'll be pretty tough, okay? (laughs) It's not like meek, mild Jesus. But here... 
Last thing I'll say. First, it says, if you're Christian, adopt the same attitude. It doesn't say this is who Jesus was. Paul's saying, let's move together to be like Jesus, who humbled himself first, even to the point of death, even to the point of a a ridiculing, humiliating, spat upon death, death of a cross. And in the humility, God raised him up. Literally in resurrection, ultimately on the throne. In our humility, God will bring the the new life, the renewal. In humility, God exalts. God resurrects. Adopt the same attitude. And, you know, we live in a world that wants confidence, that wants um, can-do, boldness. I believe, well, I know, the most confident men and women I've ever seen are also the most humble. And I, like, I call it a serene confidence. They just, they just know. They see a big God, God at work. They know God's going to exalt them. They know God's going to take care of it. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for this church. That's renewal. It only happens in Jesus, and he gives it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. You lead the way. You are the way. May we follow your way in both humility and that God raises us up. And he may raise us up tomorrow. Or it may not be till heaven, or it may be the new heavens and the new earth. But we have that promise. Let us move into it by the power of the Holy Spirit and be renewed in your name. Amen.